I'm here with Dr. Ulrika Traneus, who is a lecturer, a senior lecturer at the Swedish School of Health and Sports Science located in Stockholm, Sweden. She was a longtime physiotherapist from 1985 to 2010, working with many Swedish national team athletes and Olympians in a variety of winter sports, ranging from freestyle skiing, skating, and ice hockey. Uh, she defended her PhD in medical science with a focus in sports psychology at the Karolinska Institute, which is also located in Stockholm, where she continues to remain as a researcher uh, in, in her current work. Thanks for taking the time to speak with me today, Alarka. Thank you for inviting me. It would be great if you can talk more about your background and the work that you did for many years as a physiotherapist with high-performance athletes. Yeah, I started as an athlete with bad knees myself, and that built, started to build my interest for physiotherapy and helping others. Um, and when I got my education, I got the luck to be introduced to some athletes that was able to help. And they invited me to, to camps, and then I was in this uh, circus of, of the national team and, and traveling for World Cups and so forth. And after a while, I noticed that, yeah, it's not just the back sore knees that aches and hurts. It's also the head and a lot of thoughts and stress and anxiety that bothers top elite, top elite athletes. So I started to to read books and, and get some education. But after a while, I wanted a more solid education and, and started at university to, to take basic or, or courses to know and build, build my understanding of how it, everything works together, not just a quick fix. Right. And standing in a, on a World Cup final or whatever, it, I think, in a, Many athletes can't look over that it hurts a little bit, but the thoughts and anxiety are more uh, performance, uh, yeah, blocking or, or decrease their performance. Right. And also, in when that decreases, the the risk for injuries can increase. Right. So it, it sounds like a, a lot of the challenges that they were experiencing weren't just specific to injury, but you mentioned that you noticed their, psycho their psychology was having an impact on their ability to perform. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, I was lucky to, to work with one of the coaches who, who I worked with were really into to, um, strength building. And actually none of our mogul skiers had knee problems or ACL, tore their ACLs. And I think that was because they were so well prepared for World Cups. So we didn't have many injuries, but of course, I mean, ache and, and com body complaints when you compete every weekend. Um, and that's, that's what we know now can lead to a bigger injury. Right. And, or and a more so, severe injury. Right. You mentioned that just a moment ago. Maybe you can talk a little bit more about what it is about stress or anxiety that can actually increase athletes' risk for getting hurt? Yeah, as far as we know, and from my own experience, 
I think if you are stressed, you're focusing more on that problem on, or what stresses you than putting focus on the task that you're actually doing. So standing on the top of a Moogle course and think on, thinking of your family at home or your unpaid bills takes focus away from what you actually are doing right here, right now, and how you should do it. And that increases the risk for, for injuries. But also, if you are stressed and anxiety, things happen with your body. You've got more tense muscles that you don't need for performance and other things in the body. So um, it's, it's very important to have focus on what you actually are doing and not what if and the last run and other things that pops up in your head. Right. And that's a skill, something you have to train to actually be able to focus. Yeah. So kind of that combination of the distracting thoughts that are more common when the athlete gets stressed, but then also the physical changes that happen when the athlete is stressed, like maybe they, their muscles get tight or they're more fatigued or kind of timing coordination. Those are, those sort of physical things that then increase their risk for injury. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I guess in, in terms of, you know, strategies, or I, I know some of the, the research that you've done has looked at different kind of interventions or ways to maybe curtail or manage that stress response. Mm -hmm. What are some things that, that athletes, I guess, can do to help them, be in the present moment or to avoid some of the distractions that you talk about? Yeah, now, now a day, so since the last years, mindfulness have become very popular. Um, but some years ago, when we talked about stress management and different, different interventions to, to help athletes, we talk about goal setting. I think still that's very important to, to, remember what your goal is, what is it you're supposed to achieve, uh, not as results, but what performance or and process do you need to, to manage to achieve your goals. But also uh, to imagine that, using imagery to, to uh, prepare for what you're doing, uh, build up your self-confidence and self-esteem so you, you're trusting yourself. Um, different relaxation techniques such as breathing to lower your pulse and, and lower your shoulders if they are too stiff. Um, and also stress management of what bother you and how can you deal with that? Is it something you just have to accept or is it something you can do anything about and can you do anything about it right now? Or can you leave it for a while while you're focusing on this instead and deal with it later on or ask someone else for help. Yeah. And, and in the research or in the analyses that you've done looking at different interventions that you mentioned, uh, what does the research say or show about the value of those strategies in reducing injury risk? Yeah, the, the risk factor for, for um, the, the major risk factor for, for injuries traumatic injuries like accidents, uh, it is stress. So with that comes stress management, which most often include uh, 
th those interventions that I mentioned, like mm -hmm. how do you manage stress? Yeah, with relaxation and with goal setting and so forth. Right, right. And, and so uh, would the evidence show that, or are there studies, I guess, showing that when athletes engage in those practices that it actually can reduce their risk of injury? Like if I'm a coach and, you know, I'm thinking, oh, well, we're getting hurt a lot. You know, aside from the, you know, prevention strategies that you mentioned, the physical training strategies, is there value for the coach to adopt some of these practices if they want to actually reduce the risk of injury? Yeah, I would say so. Um, uh, either learn by themselves for, for own stress management, but also to, to, uh, to learn and, and educate the, the athletes. Uh, or uh, take one uh, sports psychologist to help or have one someone else um, leading this. But of course, I think, I mean, um, a stressed coach influences the athletes more than he or she believes. So I think if the coach knows uh, how to manage their own stress, it also influences the athletes. Of course, it's it's, it's a tense moment when it's competition and so, but athletes know the coaches so well. So they know that this is the manner my coach is, but now it's something extra and why is he or she behaving like this? And, and something is particular is going on and that stresses the athletes much more, I think, than, than the coaches are aware of. Right, so w would you say in, in your experience, I mean, I'm sure you treated and, you know, it sounds like working as a physiotherapist, traveling the world with national team athletes, you would have observed coach, not only athlete behaviors, but coach behaviors. Would you say there's a tendency for the coaches to get more stressed or anxious at bigger competitions? Yeah, some. I mean, that's the same experience as the athlete. An experience who have attended the world championships a couple of times and then the second Olympic Games are more calm than, than for the first time. And, and it's the same with the coaches. An, uh, an unexperienced coach can be so stressed and yeah. yeah. So they need as much help as, as an athlete. <laughs> right, well, I think that's a great point. Just as you were talking, Ulrika, I was thinking about this video that um, it's with Bob Bauman, who's Michael Phelps's coach, or was, I guess. And, yeah. and um, he talks, he's asked, you know, like, what do you tell Michael right before the race? And he's like, I tell him what lane he's in, like nothing really important, or, you know, there's no sort of magic words. He's like, all the coaching is done before. And he talks about that exact point that you mentioned that, you know, Early in his career, he, he would be nervous and he's like, oh, is he going to break a world record? And, mm -hmm. and he's like, you know, he realized that there's not necessarily a lot of value in him over talking or communicating to the athlete at the competition. That the athletes know what they need to do, that generally if they're happier and relaxed, they tend to perform better. And so I thought it was just interesting because he was very reflective of the point that you're talking about and saying, you know, I need to just kind of treat it like a regular meet and think about how, what my stress levels are, how that might impact the athlete. Um, so yeah, in, interesting points. Um, I, I guess uh, in, in terms of, 
kind of once the athlete does get get injured are there certain challenges either that you know for, uh, in your role as a researcher and a lecturer at the university or as a physiotherapist what, what are some challenges that the athlete experiences or things they worry about once they do get hurt when they do get hurt i think the challenges they meet is is uh, to come over the the belief and the self-efficacy to to trust that they are able to do a return to sport and and come back i mean at the beginning many of them think that uh, this can't be possible it's not possible that this happened to me can't be that severe uh, and um, others think immediately that this is severe and my my um, my career is over so it's a frustration it's anger it's so many emotions and feelings that comes to their mind and many times also it's easier for them to to blame someone else that the coach pushed me too hard or they someone else did this to me opponent in hockey or someone else and it's their fault instead of just coming to an acceptance of of course uh, or, or uh, not of course but this happened uh, i know it what should i do and and do the lesson because they are so eager to come back so so to have them understand that this is a, a we, when we're talking about severe injuries um that this going to be a time with patient and small small steps but it's so many emotions, both giving up and both anger and frustration in the beginning. So it's, it's more, in the beginning, it's more of kind of what's going to happen and calm everything down, I think. Yeah. So are there things that the athlete can do to help themselves kind of calm down a bit or like manage all those many, many thoughts or emotions they experience? I think in the beginning, the most important thing is that they don't blame someone else because, yeah, it could be someone else's fault, but it doesn't help to, to have a blame game going on and not to deny that it's actually happened. Just what they can do is to seek help uh, and from the national team, I mean, from the federations or if it's lower level, some sports therapist or, or doctors that are involved and know what's can understand what's happening and the athletes demands because it's it the treatment is kind of the same if I injure myself nowadays or an athlete uh, but the surroundings of how we explain and how we talk to an athlete compared to an older person or another person is is different so I think it's important that athletes come to someone to understand their needs and who they are and um, just so important is to seek help and start to actually listen to that person build trust if it's possible uh, and start to do the rehabilitation as soon as possible don't delay it and don't do too much and don't do too little but actually start the process of of doing the because I have seen both categories that are 
just laying down and don't doing the programs because it's too painful or too boring or so and also seeing the the opposite athletes who think if i do twice as much i will come back much faster and that's the opposite because you overload and you stress the sword muscle or the sword body part right so is there this idea that to your point about athletes trying to do too much like sometimes i wonder if there's this kind of myth that you know like if i'm an athlete or a well-trained individual that somehow i can heal quicker or that if i you know do twice as much as recommended that that'll be twice as good um are, are those kind of falsehoods or um like are there sort of certain i guess biological time frames within which people heal would that be correct that's little out of my my competence to answer but from from just experience uh, i don't think different bodies heal in different ways but i think that a trained body they have quicker to adapt to the new training mm -hmm. uh, an athlete has easier to understand what muscles to use and how to use it and if you are a professional athlete and with full time you have so much more time to right. do uh, slow training in the in the swimming hall to do water training and, and to do the cooling down afterwards you can spend hours in just on just rehabilitation a normal person don't have the time facilities and 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 support to do that so right. um, that's a difference in in fast healing but i don't think biological that you heal faster because you're well trained right okay but in in in, in terms of your point about um, not doing too much too soon maybe you can just reiterate or add on to why that's important for the athlete not to do that yeah because in initial if you have if we're talking about just a, a ruptured muscle in the in the shoulder or an acl injury a toward ligament in the knee i mean it's swollen the 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 body has its uh, system to to heal and if you stress that you you continue to be swollen and have this inflammatory process for too long and it's it's not the the healing process can't start to kind of uh, cool down and heal in a good way and if you're doing too much you, you stress it and stress it and a swollen joint in knee or uh, shoulder uh, the the tissues don't meet and it's so much uh, fluid in the joint so it's um, yeah it doesn't heal in a in a proper way yeah. or prolong the time so and, and if you do too much too soon you have this swollen joint for the longer time than necessary. So it, it sounds like it's important for the athlete to kind of understand that there's the happy medium where if they just, you know, lay down, as you say, and kind of don't do anything or resign themselves to the fact that they're never going to get better, then obviously that's not so helpful. But the mm -hmm. mindset of pushing and doing more and that that can be quite counterproductive as well, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> so in, in terms of your work 
um, with, with athletes or <clears throat> even just thinking about the research. You, you mentioned seeking out and finding supporters or providers who can support the athlete in their recovery. From the athlete standpoint, are there things that help with their communication when they're interacting with uh, physiotherapists or are there things that the athlete can or should do that help them communicate effectively with treatment providers? Yeah, to be, to be honest um, in their communication, uh, don't try to please the provider too much and say, eh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Instead of, yeah, I feel better. This, this, uh, this uh, doesn't work for me. I don't understand how to do this. And this is, gives me too a, much ache afterwards and so. But I think if I can turn the question, I think it's more important for the, the supporter to use a right a good language and, and explain and educate the, the athlete because sometimes care providers forget that this is the first time maybe this athlete is injured but for the for the care provider the physiotherapist to have seen this hundred of times mm -hmm. so for they it's a normal day at work but it's a big thing for this athlete and they must explain and and uh, communicate in a good way and educate the, the athlete. So I think that the, the opposite way is more important than, than how the athlete should communicate more than right. being honest what she or he feels about uh, the situation. And also if it's not just the, the body, the ache and pain and, and the swollenness and so, but also any doubts and mental doubts about recovery right. because many times a physiotherapist have heard this before and can can help support and in other cases then they can uh, recommend someone else to talk to before mm -hmm. it comes to a depression because one of the common reasons for depression in in athletes or mental illness is due to injury so, so a severe injury for an athlete is a risky moment for, for mental illness. Right, right. So, and, and I think it's important that you kind of mention that, you know, point about how the practitioner is communicating with the athlete. And, you know, even though they've probably seen hundreds or maybe even thousands of, mm -hmm. of injured athletes to remember that you know, maybe for the inexperienced athlete, this is all new for them. And mm -hmm. that, that communication and education and information is really important for the providers to help alleviate some of the athlete uncertainties or concerns. Uh, but I also like how you mentioned from the athlete standpoint that it's, it is important for the athlete to be honest or to communicate about what they're feeling and experiencing. And I guess part of why I asked the question from the athlete perspective is, you know, I, I know for a lot of athletes, maybe there's the, this sense that I need to be tough. I, mm. I shouldn't disclose pain or, you know, I, I better just kind of work through this without trying to over disclose information about how I'm feeling or that's mm. not, I don't want to be a burden or that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I appreciate your point that 
there's value for the athlete to be open and honest about how they're feeling. Yeah. And it's also when it comes to coming closer to return to sport, it's important to, to involve the athletes in the club or, or team or so forth. But I have experienced both ways that both that the, the athletes really want to be close to the team, do their rehab practices close to the team and have the, the chat in the locker room and be part of everything. But also the ones that said, no, it's too tough. I can't be there. I prefer to be by myself and, and with other friends or with a family during this time. And it's too painful to see how they come forward in their progression and, and performance. And I'm sitting here on my bike and with my rubber band or, or yeah. something. And right. I think to when it comes closer to, to return to sport, I think it's important to push them a little bit maybe or challenge them. But during the rehab, it's more important to listen to the athlete and what their needs during that time instead of pushing too, too hard. Right. So on that note, you mentioned listening as a form of support. Are there specific kinds of support, I guess, um, maybe in the initial phases or during the rehab? Are there different kinds of support that athletes need and do those support types change over the course of their recovery? Yeah, I would say that, that in the beginning, I would say it's, it's very important with the information and education and that needs to be repeated because what you hear the first times with a doctor after an x-ray with a physiotherapist that will be forgotten after a while because it's too much information but down the road you meet over and over again and then it, it's good to repeat those things what structure damage how long does it take for a muscle to heal how long time does it take for a ligament to heal and and those things and and also have those small uh, small goals so now we're doing this boring exercises for taking your swollen uh, swollen uh, knee or have your knee to to be less swollen and have this now we are starting to put a little load on your joints so you can start to load more and more and because it's so on on <clears throat> the fourth month you think you have done it so long and it's so boring and you don't see any progressions but if you can see that okay for three months i couldn't go without crutches i couldn't put load on this joint i couldn't do this and now i can lift and i can i can have this range of motion and i can do this it's so easy to forget how you started so have those small steps and maybe write them down or or yeah so, so you actually can evaluate to see, yeah, this is boring, but I do see some progression anyway. Yeah. So, so have this small goal setting, and also that the that the physiotherapists are talking, not just. And now we are doing those. We have a session with this today, and now we're doing this. But why are we doing this? So they understand that this is for for increasing range of motion, or this is for building strength, or this is for endurance, or whatever it is. So, so the athlete or the patient understand why I'm doing this. Not that, okay, I have to do it, but I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. But if they understand why it's important, it's me more meaningful. 
and it's yeah. also been their competence of of uh, how to to uh, take care of themselves right so giving them some reasoning and rationale so they mm, yeah. they're clear on why they're doing and what the benefit may be mm -hmm. of doing that exercise or how it helps them maybe eventually perform sports specific skills is is valuable um and in terms of i guess the path or the trajectory that some athletes take like you've alluded to this idea that you know like some athletes maybe struggle initially to accept their injury whereas others maybe more quickly go about the business of recovery and getting involved in their rehabilitation or that some athletes like to be involved in the team and others withdraw themselves. Do you, do you see differences in athletes' ability to make an effective recovery? Are some just better recovers? Do some kind of get back to sport at a, you know, at a effective level, whereas others less so? And and if you see those differences, what would you attribute them to? I have seen the differences. I have noticed that some come back and some don't and in expected time, if you can expect the time frame. But I haven't seen any actual pattern that you can say that this is the, the clue and this is the key for a su successful uh, return to sport. I know that your research has shown and provided answers to that, but and so, but but I haven't seen it myself. But but one lessons I learned that is when I'm working with athletes, especially young athletes or or any athlete, that sometimes I take for granted that their wish is to return to sport, and that's what we are striving for. And when I start to talk about it what what would you do when you when you come and return to sport and, and so but I, then one one girl said well i'm not sure that i want to return to sport i think i i just want to be a healthy healthy girl and then i want to study at university and like hmm, yeah that's a good point too yeah. everyone doesn't want to return to sport they want to get healthy even if she was a really uh, mm -hmm on her way talented handball player and, and had a, could have a successful career. Her goal wasn't to 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 make it to the national team. She just wanted to be be free from her pain and in injury. Yeah. So so that's important to to remember too. But I can't really answer your question. Yeah. Well on that note I guess would you say it's important to understand what athletes drivers or motivations are like to not just assume that everyone wants to get back and compete at the same or a higher level than they did before their injury, but to really sort of understand their motivations for coming back and, and, and recovering, is that important yeah. to work with the athlete? Yeah, of course. I mean, I do work with some young athletes as well and, and understanding if it's internal or external motivation that drives them, if, if it's the parents, or if it's the coaches, or if it's just that they have their friends in the teams, or if they really love the sports and have a want to come back due to the love to the sport, and not just the athletic identity that I am an athlete, what should I do without my sport, but having this inner motivation that 
I really like to do this. I want to continue with it. So, so that's something we discuss as well. And I think that's have a meaningful return to sport. You can't do that without having the internal motivation, I think. So, and that's something that, that the care providers can help them with the, with the education so they, they have the competence and they are involved so they can self-determine or, I mean, they, they are involved in the process and progression, not the progression, but the, the process of healing and, and what they are doing, the rehabilitation, and also some, some kind of belonging to a group, e either in the team or in the, uh, in the rehab facilities. Many, many bigger uh, clinics with, that are specialists on, on, for instance, ACL injuries, they have groups that train together so they can be role models for each other and, and, and stimulate and, and so forth. So they kind of have their uh, uh, training motivations uh, in, in, in the rehabilitation clinic if they miss it in, on the pitch or in right. the locker room. So I just want to touch on that point you made, Ulrich, about the internal motivation being needed for recovery. We, I mean, would you say that if an athlete is kind of really driven by more external factors, like maybe they feel like they have to return because they're an athlete and that's how they see themselves, or, you know, maybe there's expectations from other people, or, you know, maybe they're earning some kind of income mm -hmm. and, and they need that money to sustain themselves. Like, are those less effective motivations or like, I guess I just want to kind of clarify that point that they, 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 do they have to have the internal or the intrinsic motivation? Is their rehab somehow less effective if, um, if it's driven just by those external factors? Or maybe you can elaborate on your thoughts on that. No, I think the outcome of the rehabilitation can be as, as good as any if you have the internal or external. But the sustainable sports life uh, is not as good if you're driven by the external uh, carrots and, and the exposure you get for, or pressure from others to succeed or come back or whatever. If you don't have the inner motivation and think it's fun any longer, I think you don't have the sustainability to continue. And the, the most risk risk factor, the, the biggest risk factor for an injury is a previous injury. And if you have, have had your injury, you're in great risk of getting a new one. And then you know that you have a, maybe a six or nine month rehabilitation in front of you uh, after a year after the first one, for instance. And I mean, you should be driven by quite a bit of internal motivation for doing the second part. Yeah. Uh, with quality. I mean, anyone can do it if it's your work, but, but um, I think that's what we see when, when patients or athletes think it's really boring with this rubber band training. If yeah. you do it for the second time in, in three years, maybe, and just doing it because you get a reward afterwards. Yeah. So I, I think the outcome for the first injury can be as good if you have internal or external but for doing a repeated time, 
you must think it's it's some value for you in it. Yeah, well, and, and as you say, I guess, particularly if it's a long-term recovery and the exercises mm -hmm. are really kind of tedious or boring mm -hmm. or, you know, just to be able to sustain that interest and that focus over a long period of time, mm -hmm. uh, certainly the intrinsic motivation uh, seems important. And that's consistent with a couple of studies that, um, that I had been involved with or did with my former supervisor, Bob Eklund, and we found exactly what you're talking about, where even for high-performance athletes, that intrinsic motivation seemed to be high when they reported why they were coming back, and then it also seemed to be associated with um, slightly more positive, I guess, performances or perceptions of their performance once they actually came back and competed. Um, so... Uh, yeah, some in interesting points, I guess, uh, in terms of the role of motivation there. Um, I guess maybe this is hard to answer, but how much would you say of, of recovery has to do, or effective recovery, if we'll call it that, has to do with the athlete, and how much of it is a function of the support or the environment around them? Well, that was a good question. Of course, it's the of course, it's the athlete who's doing the work. I mean, it's, it's not my talk who heals the, the competitor or the athlete. But I think what the care provider, the therapist, the, the support around an athlete says and how much confidence we built and, and information. And, and so, I mean, I think that's, yeah, that's quite quite important as well so I think it's it's kind of goes goes together we can't we can't help people that aren't injured and injured people may I mean of course they can heal but it might be with better coping strategies and and also lessons learned from the injured part that there's parts that they can use in the daily life afterwards yeah so I think it's 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 needed right so on that note, what are, I guess, some lessons or things that the athlete might be able to take from their injury experience that they can apply to their sport or maybe just to life in general? A little of, of the recovery part that they haven't trained as much as they during a six period time, six month period time, as if they have would been in, in ordinary training, but nevertheless, they can be pretty fit and, and good when they come back. Mm -hmm. So um, maybe challenge how much you train and how much you, you use recovery, um, because you use a lot of recover uh, during the healing phase, and maybe you should use that more often during the training as well. Right. Uh, and also um, that all the small goals make a big, uh, make a big uh, picture at the end. When you understand more and you can actually set goals for a work day or for uh, new competitions or whatever. And that's what I see that, that many people don't have. For me, it's, so, it's like a physiotherapist. It's, you have seen plenty of injured people and and for me in sports psych, I know that yeah, goal setting is the main concept. But 
many have many athletes don't know about it. Yeah. I just yeah. train, see how good I can be. But how do you evaluate that? I don't know. <laughs> right. So try like trying to be intentional or specific about, you know, what maybe processes one wants to focus in on with their maybe their rehab exercises, mm -hmm. but then also taking that and applying it to their training so that they're not just sort of going into practice and saying, hey, I want to get better or I want to mm -hmm. achieve this, but mm -hmm. being more intentional and specific about how they're going to do that. Or, um, you know, you mentioned, um, I guess, kind of alluded to that idea of injury prevention, almost where they're taking some of the skills from what they're doing in rehab when they're healthy to make sure they don't get injured. Um, so it, it sounds like, would, would you say then that there can be some value, I guess, in the injury experience for the athlete? No one admit, would admit that during the rehab phase that this was something good, but I heard it many times after that they are, when they actually came back, they were more, more well-trained because they were, capable of or got the time to train the whole body, not just the knee or the technique, the use, the need for the performance. They were able to do swim training and do a lot of exercise, twist ball and a lot of things that built them up so they were stronger, overall stronger when right. they came back. And also that their well-being was good because they got the time to spend more time with family or school friends or others and took the opportunity to to do that while they weren't traveling that much or had just the, the sport in focus yeah. so after a while well it was a really boring time and it was so tough but afterwards i actually felt pretty good and i was strong when i came back and and i had a good season afterwards so yeah. so many many can say that looking backwards but uh, they don't see it when they are in the bubble <laughs> right right so if there are sort of valuable elements of of an injury or this idea you know we talked uh, before our we started recording our discussion about this idea of growth or mm -hmm. you know remarkable recovery that the athlete develops in some way that they're stronger or better as a an athlete or performer if, if those elements are to exist it, it's unlikely the athlete may see it at the time. It's more likely that it's with the benefit of, you know, hindsight or experience or kind of looking back that they can mm -hmm. see that maybe there's some things. Um, maybe you can touch on your thoughts about this, this idea of kind of growth. And again, we were having that discussion earlier, but, um, you know, do you, um, I guess, what are your thoughts on this idea that, you know, athletes grow or emerge stronger uh, in some way. Uh, that term resilience is often thrown out. Um, do you have a perspective on whether, um, it, you know, athletes are stronger potentially after the injury or they perform better or, or is that not necessarily the case? Does it depend on the individual? I, I think it depends on the individual, but when I ask them many many reflects and think yeah actually I've, I've felt pretty pretty good but it also compared to how were they before they were injured uh, if they have if i got the opportunity to talk to them talk to them 
they might have got some education about coping strategies, stress management, pain management, uh, goal setting during rehab. And if that's kind of have worked out well, they could feel, yeah, it wasn't too bad at all. It was painful, it was tough, but yeah, it, I survived and I came back. But I doubt that you get reflect on that and have the coping strategies and, and feel the growth if you aren't, um, someone have talked about it to you or with you. Or, so I don't think you necessarily get stronger after a rehabilitation time, but if you have used the time well, you got the opportunity to, to uh, train a little more all around and got to widen your bubble and come out of your sports comfort zone and, and do something else. I mean, how many athletes go to see a movie on Friday night? But now you might have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. So I think, I think that's such a great point about how you use the time, really. Mm-hmm. It is important to think about and consider. And, you know, as you say, maybe it's a chance to connect with friends that you haven't seen or sort of non-sport people or you know, to reflect on different elements of your sport or maybe to gain strength in, you know, areas of the body that were weak. Or um, I really like your point about sort of how you use the time. And, and also maybe the, that point that, you know, if you're likely to um, realize some benefit, that maybe some of it is about having conversations with people mm-hmm. that help you open your eyes to the fact that maybe there are some opportunities, I guess, to experience growth personally or in terms of your your performance, but that doesn't necessarily happen automatically. No. And, um, and one thing that's important also that many, both therapists, but also athletes forget, if you have an injured shoulder, this rubber band training is really boring, but nothing um, hinders you to, to do... Uh, um, bench training or, or step training with your legs or other things or is it your your knee that's injured you can do a lot of things with your arms and 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 back and and stomach so so that's what i mean you can use the opportunity to train if you have, if you think that rehab is so boring you can do other you can use the rest of the part in ordinary training and that was many people forget that you can do do that in the meantime as yeah. well. Yeah. Well, and that comment is certainly consistent, Orca, with a number of other, you know, sport medicine providers and sports psychology people that I've been speaking with, where they say, you know, they're always, or coaches as well, where they say they're always trying to gear the athletes focused to things they can be doing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, usually one isn't completely physically incapacitated, but if they have a knee injury, they can work on, you know, maybe their upper body strength yeah. or other mm-hmm. aspects of their body that may be mm-hmm. helpful or, you know, mm-hmm. tactical areas of their performance or analyzing strategy, mm-hmm. you know, different facets to their performance yeah. that may help them come back. And, um, you know, also, I think kind of earlier, we discussed this point about you know, whether the athlete emerges objectively stronger in some way, shape or form may not be that important that, um, 
one colleague that I spoke with, Dr. Christian Zepp, he's at the German Sport University. You know, I like how he, he sort of phrased it that athletes are going to be different after the experience. That it's not just necessarily they're going to, you know, he said that hashtag come back stronger sort of frustrates him because it's just like, what does that mean? It's kind of a cliche and sort of the idea that you, you won't be the same because you've had a, an experience that changes you in some way and makes you different. Um, but I like kind of what you're alluding to that, you know, athletes maybe through this experience are developing skills, coping skills that help them uh, with other athletic challenges that they face. Um, you know, injury, of course, being a significant one. Um, but we shouldn't forget those who are still afraid. I mean, it, when we talk, it, it looks like, or it, it's, it seems like everyone comes back stronger and is, do they come back stronger or not? But right. it's quite, quite some who are afraid of getting a new injury, are afraid to be on the pitch and be pushed and, and perform the sport again, because could it happen? Am I really sure that my, my knee or shoulder uh, are uh, prepared for this, this load and so forth? Yeah. So, so that's also part that many are afraid and it's, it, it's, they are strong, but it's still a mental part that hinder them from, from right. doing the, the comeback. Yeah, well, on that note, I know there are a number of studies, Claire Ardern, uh, who I know you're, you're, you know, um, has done a number of reviews where she found that after ACL injuries that up to two thirds of athletes and I think the one study had about 150 athletes in another review, they had a bigger sample and, and significant portions of athletes who were medically cleared to return did not. And they cited things like fear of re-injury or a lack of trust in their injured knee, yeah. um, you know, as, as important reasons why they didn't return. So I think yeah. that's a great point. Like, you know, it's all, it's great to hear those success stories about yeah. the athletes who come back stronger. But then of course, we don't always hear about the athletes who don't come back or yeah. who are physically capable, but just, you know, they are worried or apprehensive and those concerns, um, you know, maybe preclude them from, from doing so. And so I think that's a great point. I mean, on that note, again, coming back to the strategies, are there particular ways, uh, is it things like imagery, discussion? What, what are some things that in your experience or based on research and teaching are valuable for the athlete who's returning, but has those worries or concerns. How do you help those athletes? I, I think imagery is, is really good to see yourself doing this and how you do it and, and all the, with all those, how it worked out to, to be on the pitch or slope or whatever again. Uh, but also to, to take the small steps. I mean, if you come from the rehab room, room out on the field and are supposed to slowly come back, I, I should also be a little afraid. But if you take the small steps and, and start to, to, to ski again or, or to play football and increase it slowly, 
I think that the fear goes away more and more the closer you come. But so, so it's still the, the small steps towards the goals you want to achieve. Right, right. And that, and that also builds the self-confidence if you see, okay, it wasn't a long time ago since you didn't even touch a ball or were on skis and now you're doing this and this and this. And yeah, it's going better and better. Right. So building the trust and self-confidence in small steps. Right. So would you say then that a lot of the psychological readiness then comes simply from the physical ability to perform skills or maybe to meet certain functional criteria? I think much comes from the physical ability. And then we have some that I don't want to show myself because I'm not that well trained and my self perception doesn't meet what I was before and maybe they think I lost muscles and so 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 I mean it's it's a lot of emotions and, and thoughts as well uh, but I think if you if you have built up your muscles you are able to to jump and land and, and do your sport I think that doubt will will uh, decrease yeah yeah so again like for the athlete I guess sort of often being able to do certain things, you know, that I guess when they're not injured, often confidence comes from physical training and preparation. And, and I guess the same could be said for the injury period. So when they gradually see, and as you mentioned, you know, they're doing certain things, but then they also can have it fed back to them that, okay, well, before I couldn't do this, but now I'm doing these things. But that goes a long way to building the, the, readiness to uh, perceived readiness to return yeah yeah um so uh, i guess just one final question orica are there if you could share advice to the injured athlete one piece of advice or doesn't have to just be one but if you could share advice to the injured athlete what would it be what what helps them i guess in their recovery to be to seek support don't be shy or think you're the only one uh, with these feeling thoughts and, and setbacks uh, be open seek support and communicate to family friends teammates coach uh, others what you need expect and how from them and what you what you need um, don't, don't be tough. Um, I would also recommend to, um, to have a form of training diary, but rehabilitation diary to, to see what was I able to do week one, week two, and then week 30 or something to see the progression. And, and also have it as a working tool and evaluate. Did I reach? Could I jump on one leg? now and uh, no and i have to train more on this and now yeah i can actually jump on one leg and evaluate and kind of celebrate and do some yes i did it yeah uh, so celebrate and 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 have those small goals that are are so useful in the long term so seek seek support communication uh and uh set your small goals to 
to and don't don't just write them down evaluate them that's that's the more most important part to actually right. have this as a working tool and evaluate and have a little celebration for like a um, gold gesture for forever gold you you reach and celebrate yeah those are great pieces of advice and suggestions Orica. and yeah i always enjoy our conversations and it, it's great to be able to catch up with you and thanks so much for sharing uh, all of your experience and, and insight both from a research and practical perspective great to speak with you yeah likewise thanks a lot for inviting me I'd like to chat with you too looking forward to see you soon definitely